This Boss Barista episode is brought to you by Ernex. If you've worked in the coffee industry, you probably know Ernex well. You've used their products to clean your equipment. You've attended an event that they've supported. You're probably even using Kefiza at home to clean your pots and pans. One of Ernex's latest advances is a range of environmentally friendly cleaners called BioCaf. BioCaf products are made entirely from plant and mineral-based ingredients and are fully biodegradable. They're available for both commercial and household coffee equipment, so you can use them at the cafe just as easily as you can use them at home. But Ernex is doing more than just making eco-friendly cleaners. They've partnered with people like me and several other coffee professionals to highlight some of the best sustainability efforts in the industry with the BioCaf Sustainability Series. I'm super excited to be part of this initiative and to have another platform to share my thoughts on topics like sustainability. Visit the Ernex website to read my recent piece on Onyx Coffee Labs switch to oat milk in their latest cafe and learn more about BioCaf by visiting www.ernex.com. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Let's face it, learning about coffee is hard. There are so many factoids about coffee that your barista might throw at you. Elevation, varietal, processing. Elements that technically do make a coffee taste different, but can be really hard to perceive and difficult to set up an experiment for yourself to explore on your own. From the moment Sunil Pabari got into coffee, he wanted to know why others didn't share his excitement, and he came to a pretty simple conclusion. Coffee is hard to learn about. Baristas are busy slinging drinks, and it's not like the coffee roaster is sitting in the cafe waiting to answer your queries about why coffee A tastes like strawberries, and coffee bee tastes like milk chocolate. Sunil wanted to learn more, and he wanted to share with others, so he decided to start a game. Leaderboard Coffee is a seasonal coffee experiment where you get 10 unlabeled bags of coffee and a set of guiding questions to help you deduce where each coffee is from and what makes them unique. Participants become at-home sleuths, but also get to learn about coffee in a way a cafe can't replicate. Folks like Sunil represent the potential of consumer education through exciting competitions and moments of surprise and joy. Leaderboard and a number of other projects Sunil has been part of have stemmed through his curious spirit and desire to learn more. Here's Sunil. Sunil, could you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Sunil Pabari. I'm the co-founder of The Roasters Pack, Leaderboard Coffee, as well as a couple other things. And I'm up here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Sunil, what are your first memories of coffee? That's, a, that's an awesome question. Um, so I specifically remember uh, first year university, I was going to school and my sister gave me this pro tip, the elder sister pro tip. She's like, Sunil, you need to start drinking coffee. It's going to give you like extra hours of studying time. It's such a skill or a hack for being able to study more. And that was my first memories of coffee. And I started drinking triple triples from Tim Hortons up here in Canada. Wait, what is a triple triple? That's three sugars, three creams. Yeah. 
I thought that meant the espresso <laughs> shots. And I was like, oh, no, Sunil, did you die? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's like, how can we make this uh, Tim Hortons coffee taste like a dessert? Uh, so I begin oh, extra large as those and, you know, start drinking them at like 6 p.m. to help me power through the all-nighters for my really poor studying habits. <laughs> at what point did coffee start to become something that you were actively interested in? Yeah, so... Um, several years later, actually. Uh, so I had graduated and I had started working my first job after university. Um, and there was like a little roaster kind of close to my house. And that was my introduction to specialty coffee. I started trying some stuff that I was like, oh, this is, this is different. Like don't need to add three creams or three sugars to this. Um, and that kind of sparked the, the like, whoa moment. I think everyone in specialty coffee sort of has this moment where you're like, whoa, coffee can taste like this. Um, and I, I lived kind of like an hour outside of Toronto and there really wasn't much good coffee around. And that was the start. It was like, okay, I want to see what else I can get. Like how else can I learn more about coffee or how else can I discover other interesting coffees around? Um, and that, that basically led me to starting my first coffee business. I probably started it like a little bit too early, meaning that I wasn't really a coffee pro, but I started a subscription called the Roasters Pack. And with that, we'd send people three different coffees every month. And that was kind of like my way of, you know, fulfilling this need that I had of, of wanting to try more coffees and learn more about coffee. And I turned that into a service through a subscription to hopefully help other people solve this problem that they may or may not have been having. I love that that was your idea that you were hungry to learn more about coffee and not only did you design a system where you you could try more coffee but that you could disseminate more coffee to other people how did that first look for you like what was it like to start a business like this yeah so it was super fun uh super exciting uh i kind of feel bad for the first few subscribers that took that little bit of leap of faith because i wouldn't say i knew a ton about coffee so probably the first few products or shipments were a little bit rough around the edges but it was like such a cool experience for me, actually, um, because I was able to reach out to some of the best roasters in Canada, and I was able to kind of like ask them a lot of questions about coffee under the guise of being a wholesale client. So it really accelerated my learning, and it was like a super unique experience that I like. I think is actually like the best way to learn about coffee, but it's just not the most practical for most people. I, I just wanted to highlight this a little bit more because I was just on a phone call a couple couple of hours ago. I was telling you that I was on the phone at 8.30 in the morning, which is uncharacteristic for me. I would be in bed usually until like right now. Um, but one of the things that this person was asking me was about my, my job as like a freelancer and trying to figure out kind of different pathways in the coffee industry. And yours is a totally different pathway in coffee where maybe a barista or someone who's interested in coffee can start their own business and be their own entrepreneur entrepreneur in a way that feels very low risk. Yeah, totally. Um, when I started the Roasters Pack, it was back in 2014. And like, you know, roasters weren't selling coffee online. Like that was a new concept. Uh, and so I think like I, I kind of fit this hole or this gap that was there in coffee uh, that I think was really useful for roasters and really useful for people who wanted to learn more about coffee or like wanted to try more coffees. It was like really challenging to do that back in 2014. So for myself as a coffee drinker, I solved that problem. And it turned out that there were other people around Canada that maybe didn't live in like one of the hubs of like Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, but also wanted to try good coffee from different craft specialty roasters. 
So yeah, it worked out really well. And um, I'm super grateful for like all these roasters that were patient with me when I would ask them like ridiculous questions about coffee. What did you do <laughs> after that? Because then I, when I first connected with you, I think we connected in 2017 or 2018, you were doing Toronto coffee tours. Yeah. So, um, you know, once you start, once you get into coffee, I feel like it's this rabbit hole that just kind of sucks you in. I'm sure you uh, can relate yeah, very I've been much to this. Um, so you start drinking specialty coffee and you're like, well, why don't more people know about this? Um, and then you start going to local cafes and you're like really impressed with some of the things that they do uh, from like from all the different angles, whether it's like the entire culinary experience, we'll say, or just like making really great espresso or doing really cool things like cuppings or uh, pairings. And the local quote unquote media here in Toronto, I didn't feel like was really giving the love to some of the shops that deserved the love. Like there were some under the radar coffee shops that were doing really amazing things in specialty coffee, but just weren't necessarily getting the love maybe because they didn't have like a ton of money to throw into making their design aesthetic great. They were just like nerdy coffee people. And so I made this thing called the Craft Coffee Tour. And it was a self-guided tour of some of the special, the best specialty coffee shops in Toronto. So it was my way of kind of being like, hey, if you're into coffee, this is like a really cool way to try 13 different cafes around the city. And I um, kind of stepped on your toes a bit. I, I made like little podcasts for, I think, about seven or eight of the different shops just because... I know how much effort goes into making a really cool coffee drink or experience, whether that's, you know, the green buying or the roasting or like the dialing in and trying different things on the brew. But when you go to a coffee shop, sometimes it's really busy. You don't get to hear that full story. So that was kind of my thought behind the, the podcast associated with each drink was that we can finally tell the story behind all the effort that went into making this delicious coffee that you have in front of you and get that like primo experience that you maybe wouldn't get if it was like a busy Monday morning service. I love that so much as a person who anytime I go to a new city, I will take a walking tour. Cool. I will look for a podcast that explains the city. Um, I actually tried to do that for Madison where I just moved nice. to and there were no podcasts, okay. which is a bummer. <laughs> um, but now I'm thinking, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'll do it. I feel like Give this is go. secretly a this is secretly a template for like how to be your own entrepreneur. Well, I will say, and I'm sure you can relate to this, but podcasting is a lot of work. <laughs> uh, True. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think with like getting new people into specialty coffee is getting them over. I think that price hurdle, like as much as we don't want to admit it, it mm -hmm. is, I think, a challenge, right? Um, for people, if they can go to their local coffee shop that's serving some I don't know, questionable coffee, we'll say for a really good price, they put their three creams and three sugars in and they're happy. Um, and so like, how do you get them to try and like take that leap of faith? And so with the craft coffee tour, we asked cafes to um, like give a little bit of a discount, which doesn't feel great, but the hope was that, you know, it will grow the market. And so that's the challenge is like, how do you, it's kind of like a chicken and an egg thing. It's like, once people try really good coffee, hopefully they'll learn to love it and it'll kind of be like, you won't be able to go back to it. I think once you start drinking, like eating good food, if we use this as a parallel, it's really tough to go back to like frozen dinners, you know? Right. Um, and so that was the hope. But I, I do know that like from a, as a project point of view, it was just, a, it was like really challenging to, to keep up with all of the coordination and the work, especially for something that we're not going to be making a ton of money on because we wanted to try and grow specialty coffee. So, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I, I, that's number one, super benevolent to, to invest in the future of specialty coffee within your own, within basically your own space. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Going back to the thing that you said about price, no matter how much we talk about how coffee is undervalued still at the consumer end, it is shocking to see that a coffee might cost four or $5 versus what they're used to seeing in maybe not a specialty coffee shop because it's really hard for people to differentiate like what's the difference between this and that especially if we don't give them the tools to understand it totally. so i think making some sort of like audio kit which is accessible and easy and being like oh i can just listen to this learn more about what i'm experiencing or what i what i wish to experience without bother not bothering a barista but without being fearful that I might ask a stupid question or maybe it is really busy and I can't ask a question. So that's a really interesting concept and a way to tackle that barrier between customer and coffee industry that I think is really interesting. Yeah. And I, I honestly think that like coffee shops or coffee roasters should do that. Like, you know, the green buyer is not going to be able to talk to every customer, but you know, if you're making this coffee on pour over, I think like a barista, it would be really cool if a barista could say like, Hey, if you like scan this QR code, you can listen to our green buyer talk about how they sourced this coffee when they were down in Costa Rica. It's like these green buyers have these really cool stories or these roasters have really cool stories, but they just don't necessarily get shared. And so I think like I fully uh, think each cafe or roaster should steal that idea and like make little podcasts about each coffee. I love that idea. It seems like the work that you've done in general has really focused on you as a consumer trying to get other consumers excited about the things that you like and bridging that gap between people who are excited and interested about coffee and the people who have these stories but maybe just don't know how to tell them has that always like has that always been sort of your vision or goal or do you think that that vision cleared up for you as you continue to do work in this field yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think there's so much cool stuff going in coffee. Like, coffee is super fascinating to me, and it's like I always ask the question, like, "Hey, well, why? What's going on here? Why is like, why do other people not see this as exciting or fascinating as I do?" And uh, and then it's just like, okay, how do we break down some of those barriers to entry for coffee? Um, so some of that might be on storytelling, and so that's why I focused on that for some of the projects that we do. Um, some of it might be on like branding or accessibility. Some of that might be around education. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's just multiple ways to attack the problem of like sharing how cool coffee is. But I will say that like, it feels like we're trending in the right direction. Um, I think like as scary and bad as the pandemic was, I think a lot of people had to learn how to make coffee at home. And I think that opened up a lot of eyes for people to be like, oh, I can make really good coffee at home. And oh, this coffee could taste like strawberries. That's really exciting. So I think that like, th there's definitely been this perception of coffee that's growing. I think like craft beer had this happen maybe like 10 years ago. Um, and wines always have this. I think coffee is like, it's happening, which is really exciting and cool to see. What made you want to start leaderboard coffee? Yeah, leaderboard coffee, um, I'm super stoked about. Um, I've always been a huge fan of cup tasters. I really like that competition as a concept, but there are some things about it that I wasn't a huge fan of. And so just, I always had this, like every time I would see cup tasters, tasters it used to excite me, but also scare me. Um, and so I just, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. It was like, how do I build or like, what could we change about cup tasters to make it more accessible, educational, less scary, 
uh, because I know I would be quite terrified to go on stage and have to taste coffees in front of my peers. Um, <laughs> and so leaderboard is just kind of like a culmination of all of those things that I love about coffee, trying to combine it into one cool experience. Just to contrast cup tasters competition, where you have three cups of coffee in front of you, and it's kind of a game of one of these things is not like the other. Mm -hmm. And you have to taste these three cups and figure out which one is the one that's different. And you do this timed in front of people. They might be cheering you on. They might not be. It really <laughs> depends on what the crowd is like. Um, and then you get evaluated right then and there. So you're right. That is petrifying to yeah. think about. I don't think I could taste a single thing when I'm in front of people. Um, and they get progressively harder too. So you might get an or you might get an origin difference, like, oh, this is from Colombia and the one that's different from Ethiopia. But you might get something that's like, this was roasted four days ago and this was roasted two days ago. Yeah. Or like um, which is this wild. is from the neighboring farm. Good luck. You know? Good luck. See if you can figure it out. These two people are brothers and they own farms next to each other. Figure out which one's which, which yeah. is 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 wild. Um so it's really cool to take the concepts that are very interesting and applicable to education from cup tasters and essentially make it safe to do at home. So I was wondering, like, how do you, I'm interested by the questions that you ask. How do you design questions or design guidance? Because I imagine that the questions are used to kind of guide people to think about like what they're tasting. Like, how do you think about designing uh, like, like almost like a whole kit that you send to people? Because they have, they have to kind of figure it out on their own a little bit, I imagine. I know that there's guidance and there's emails and things like that. But like, you know, you have to think about like, how does someone experience this thing when they get it at home? Totally. So we have uh, sort of like the fundamental questions, or like uh, our base level questions, which is part of section A. So with each coffee, we ask people, um, you know, where was it grown? Uh, the altitude question, a question about the roaster, whether or not it's decaf, what varietal, and how is it processed? And so with each of those, you know, we wanted to make sure that you don't feel like you're in the dark. And so we reached out to some of the smartest people that we know in coffee and we asked them to put together coaching videos. So it kind of ties back to my experience in coffee when I was an, uh, like new to coffee and I wanted to, let's say, buy a Costa Rican white honey processed coffee as a wholesale client. I could then ask that green buyer like, hey, how does the white honey show up in the cup? And then they'll be like, hey, do you taste that little bit of brown sugar in the finish? Notice how it's a little bit sweeter. And then I'll be like, oh, wow, okay, cool. And so that was kind of like how I learned. And so this with Leaderboard, we're trying to tie the sensory question to um, a, a coaching video, trying to take that like one-to-one -one experience I had and bring it to like a one-to-many. So we've got like some pretty amazing coaching videos, people like Tim Wendelbow, just to name drop a bit here. Let's do it. <laughs> um, this like, is the name dropping yeah, section exactly. of the episode. Uh, ben Put, former Canadian barista champ. Colt Road, another Canadian barista champ. Sarah Ball, she won the Cup Tasters in Canada, and she placed sixth in the world. Uh, a lot of like a lot of really really talented, amazing coffee coffee professionals have put together coaching videos on different topics. And so the goal is is like if you're trying to differentiate between a washed honey and a natural, you could taste those coffees, but then you can also throw on a, a couple videos diving into how to differentiate between processing. And then hopefully that will guide your tasting. And so, you know, the goal is like we can hopefully teach people more about coffee in sort of like a guided manner. 
for myself, I find like self-guided coffee education is pretty tricky. And so this was the hope to try and help solve that. Like I have a few coffee books and I love reading them, but I find it's hard unless you're pairing it with the sensory. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of the goal is like to have the education tied directly to the sensory. And then we also have our section B questions, which is our ability to highlight certain things in coffee that we want to showcase. So one of the things we asked a question about um, last season was one of these coffees was frozen in 2019. Uh, which one do you think that is? And so that's just another really interesting thing about coffee. People are freezing green and then taking it out of a freezer and then roasting that coffee in a way to preserve freshness. And that's a conversation that we wanted people to be aware of. Um, we also had some really interesting anaerobic fermentation processed coffees. And so that was another question, which one of these coffees was anaerobically fermented? And so it's like just kind of trying to put our spotlight on some of the really cool things that are going on in coffee through the game design. I love that they're, you're making these things accessible to people because when I think of going to a coffee shop and seeing an anaerobically fermented coffee, like obviously I know what that is. <laughs> Ashley, a coffee writer who's been in the business, for 10 years knows what that is. But I have to imagine that Ashley, a person like a, you know, an alternate universe, Ashley, who never worked in coffee, be like, what the fuck is that? Like, what totally. does that mean? So creating a way for people to learn about it, see, is really special because I think the only way that most consumers would ever learn about it is if they were bold enough to ask a question in a coffee shop, which like we were saying, isn't always possible or can be really really daunting yeah and I, I wouldn't even be surprised if like some baristas too like i think to educate yourself as a barista i think a lot of it really relies on whether or not you have like really good team around you or like a manager who's like tit wants to take education as something as a priority in their coffee shop but like we all know how coffee shops are like always feels like there's understaffed and there's a million things to do so education may not necessarily be a priority but if you want to develop yourself in your career as a barista, how do you set up these like interesting tastings for yourself? Or how do you learn more about coffee on your own time? And I think like this hopefully can help solve some of that too, just for budding coffee professionals or people who want to learn more. What is the mix of people who sign up for Leaderboard? Has it been mostly baristas or consumers? It's, it's actually pretty fun to see. So um, we've got a lot of, you know, I would say like nerdy home consumers. But then we also do have the most professional professionals, people who've won cup tasters in the past. And so that's, to me, I think that's the beautiful thing about Leaderboard is that every season we post the top 20 scores and the top five scores win prizes. And that could be anyone. It could be a former cup taster. It could be um, a coffee green importer, or it could just be like someone at home who's super nerdy and loves tasting a lot of coffees. And so... I think like it, it allows you to compete against the best, which is kind of a fun, a fun thing to do as a, you know, as a competitor. Right. And it kind of takes the, the spectacle, like the spectacle out of it in a way. So you could taste the coffees over and over and you can kind of learn at your own pace. Um, yeah. As a former teacher, that's something that I really like because people learn in different ways. Totally. Yeah. Like going back to having 10 minutes on stage, like that would be so terrifying. <laughs> and so hopefully this is an opportunity for people to, to even maybe try cupping, you know, learn about cupping, practice their brewing with the coffees to figure out how to make it the most expressive. Yeah. I think there's a lot of cool things that people could do that'll help further their coffee education with leaderboard. 
So you mentioned that you've done this in seasons. You're on season three right now, I believe, or you're prepping for season three. Yeah, we're shipping out season three uh, in six days. I don't know when this podcast will go live, but July 19th is when we're shipping out season three. We're doing seasons every quarter. Oh, cool. Yeah, this probably will go live after that. But I was wondering, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from season to season? Yeah, um, it's been interesting. Like we, at the very end of the quiz, we ask people for feedback. Um, It's a new concept, leaderboard. And so we want to continue to make it better. Like we think we're onto something, but we know that like, we don't know how each person is truly experiencing this in their home. And so we want to get as much feedback so that we can improve on it. Um, some of the feedback that we got was like, Hey, I wish there was more room for notes. So we changed up our, like we, we included a little notepad with each box for season two. Um, people have asked for more resources. So we reached out to more coaches and we got diff- like more resources on specific topics that people were asking for. Um, yeah, it's, uh, honestly though, it's actually, it's like been pretty crazy. I've done a few different coffee projects, but the, like the amount of love that we're seeing in the feedback forum, maybe people are just really nice, but it seems that it's it like it's super heartwarming to see how much people are loving leaderboard. I know we've gotten a lot of people say like, "Hey, this was so much fun. Please don't ever stop doing this," or like, "I loved it. It's super hard, but this was awesome." And so I don't know. I, I think it's really cool to see it. And it like it kind of makes the all the hard work that we put in on the back end worth it when we see comments like that. Has anyone gotten them all right? Um, I think the highest score from season two was something like 87. Uh, and that's, that's the thing about coffee is coffee is pretty tricky. <laughs> it is. So I feel like there's been times where I've tasted Colombians and been like, oh, that's definitely a Kenyan. And then you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, why is this Colombian taste like a Kenyan? And when we're designing the coffees, we try to make sure that there are coffees that fit the terroir and our expressive representations of what a coffee from that region should taste like but there are curveballs like we included a chinese coffee last year i don't know how many people have tried chinese coffee but like by including it in the game we feel like it really forces people to taste that coffee to think about it like what's the sweetness characteristics what's the acidity like what's the body and hopefully that taste experience of that chinese coffee will be one that they remember because they've had to like really think about it and really analyze that cup and so coffee's tricky. So 87, I think, is like the top score so far. But hey, you never know. Like this, we've only done two seasons. I think anything's possible. Do you design the box to to address like different levels of coffee, I guess, know-how? Like I imagine that there are some coffees that you want to include because you want people to, to, to have some, not necessarily easy wins, but you want people to feel successful as they do this so that they're not like, oh, I got zero right. I feel like a jerk. Um, I'm sure that's never happened before. Um, but yeah, how do you think about making like, how do you think about difficulty levels when you're designing these? Yeah, I think, so there's there's a lot of coffees that we could include that are curveballs, I would say. Um, just with the way that uh, interesting fermentation is becoming a thing or varietals being planted in different origins. For us, we do want to make sure there, there are some coffees that um, are like figure outable, you know? hopefully very expressive of their terroir. And I think that makes for an interesting learning experience for someone who maybe isn't as nerdy, but it also does force people who um, do know a lot about coffee to really you know, stand firm with their beliefs. And I think if we tried to pick the 10 easiest coffees, I still think it would be pretty tricky. 
So, oh, I agree. Can we figure these ones out? So we're kind of a gauge. Um, but we want to make sure that we definitely want to make sure there's coffees in there that people can figure out. Even though we do say this, like there's been times where Grant and I have been like, oh, that's definitely a Brazil. And then when we look at the feedback, you know, <laughs> not everyone thinks it's as much tastes as much like a Brazil as we thought. So coffee is just it's just tricky in general. Yeah, it's interesting to almost compile all this data and see where do we stand as an industry. I mean, obviously, this is never going to be a perfect sample size because it's going to be the people who subscribe to Leaderboard. But it's interesting to get that feedback and see like, oh, where am I calibrated? What do I think tastes like a typical Brazil versus maybe the hundred or so people I sent this box to? Totally. Yeah. And I think for us, like, it's it's been still it's still early. We've only done three seasons of this, um, but our goal is that hopefully we'll be able to take some of that data for people and be like, okay, you're really good at identifying decaps, but varietals is maybe something that you should work on. So here's a couple of coaching videos that you should check out on varietals and maybe think about those next time when you're tasting and just try and give people that like feedback loop that helps them develop their palate or their career in coffee. One of the things as a teacher that I think about a lot is do I give students a test that they can figure out and not necessarily in a straightforward way, but does the answer tie back to the question? And I was wondering if you think about that when you think about the coffees, like obviously you were saying some coffees are kind of curveballs and they throw you for a loop, but there's, is there, do you try to identify like one thing in them? I'm like, this speaks to the varietal and you could have figured this out, not could in a pedantic way, but this is the thing that ties it back to like a known entity. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And and that's, I think, where our resources come into play. Like, do we feel like we have equipped our players with enough information that hopefully they can figure this out, even if it is a tricky one? And so, you know, we reached, we've reached out to a lot of people to get some really interesting videos. And I'm uh, super excited to release the season three videos that'll be coming out soon, just because they're really great deep dives on certain origins. And so... The hope is, is that it may be a tough question, but hopefully the resources are there that they can taste the coffee, watch the videos, and feel more equipped to answer these questions. Why do you think that your businesses, the ones that you've done, the podcasting and the tours and even leaderboard, they seem to be like solitary, not not necessarily solitary things. There are maybe a couple of other businesses that kind of do certain things. I'm thinking about Populance Coffee. They do the Flight of Fancy, hmm. um, which is kind of like a similar thing where you get four different coffees and you have to figure out. They give you kind of guidance and it's all very, very interestingly designed. Um, but they still seem to be far and few between. And it seems like there's not a lot of investment done in this bridge between coffee folks and consumers. And I wonder why you think that there's this gap between us. So I I don't I don't know what the answer is, but my guess would be um, if I was a coffee roaster, my main source of income is coming through cafes. So coffee shops are where they should probably be spending their focus and their energy. And I think that's where roasters have been spending their focus and their energy is making sure they have really good training for baristas, um, making sure they're like checking in with their wholesale clients to make sure that everything's going well and, you know, coffee's still tasting great. And that's because like 90% of their volume is going through those channels. And so they need to make sure that those people are successful. Now, I think for me, I don't sell to cafes. So my focus is on the people that I do communicate with and talk with and send coffee to, which are the consumers and understanding like, what are they going on? 
you know, what's the challenges that they're having in a day-to-day with their coffee. And so I think that forced me to just kind of think a little bit differently than most roasters. That being said, like, I know I've seen some really cool things come from roasters over this past year. And I think they are starting to realize some of the stuff that I was realizing just because their focus has switched, you know, over the past year, they weren't able to spend as much time on their cafe partners because of the pandemic. And so they're putting a lot more effort into their consumer facing stuff, which is cool to see. Like, I I think it's really interesting to see some of the like product development stuff that's happening by roasters. What are you excited about? What am I excited about? Um, (laughs) Well, I'm really excited for season three to see how people respond to it. We've added like another element to the game just to throw a little, little bit extra in there and change things up. You know, we got to keep people on their toes. Um, I'm really excited for cafes to reopen up in Toronto. Uh, We've been very much doing like takeout and as someone who's like self-employed, I'm that guy who sits in cafes. So uh, I can't wait to do that again. And I'm actually like really excited to see where coffee goes over the next few years. Um, Just because I feel like there's been this, it feels like an exponential growth in coffee and specialty coffee, at least up here in Canada specifically. Um, I've noticed a lot more people be interested in coffee and specialty coffee. I've noticed a lot more coffee roasters launch. Um, and I've, lot of, I've noticed uh, a lot more interesting coffees being sourced. And so I think that's only going to push coffee as an industry forward. So I think like, I, I'm really excited to see where the next few years take us. I think aesthetically leaderboard coffee is really interesting. I'm looking at your Instagram page now and it feels like, you know, a 1980s, <laughs> you know, arcade game where you're trying to get your name up on the board. Like you're just playing and playing and playing until like you can put your three initials into uh, yeah. that top 10 leaderboard. So like I was, yeah. How did that come to be? Yeah. So um, my partner on this project, Grant Gamble, he's, he's got like a fun aesthetic that he likes to use in his project. So he's actually known for putting on some of the best coffee events in Canada. And that's sort of his thing. Um, And so when I reached out to him with this idea, he put his Grant Spice on it and made it this fun 80s arcade theme. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a coffee event up here in Canada, but it was likely helped by Grant. And so he's got a really good eye for how to put together fun experiences and events. And I think his creativity just kind of shown through there with the, uh, with the brand vibe. Like for us, we wanted to make sure, like, I think with a coffee competition, there's a few angles you can take, like you could make it a very serious coffee competition and experience. And I think like, that's what barista con feels like. It's the most serious competition out there but for us. Like we're, we really care about accessibility and we want to make sure that people can learn and it'll feel comfortable to learn. And so I think by like wrapping it all around in this fun game vibe, I think uh, really hits the the feeling of what we're trying to create with Leaderboard. Where do you see Leaderboard Coffee going in the next couple of years? What does growth look like for you? That's a good question. Um, so for us, we're we're um, I feel like we're doing a really good job of getting the word out locally. So we've done a good job of getting Canadians involved. Um, and I would say like I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm going to guess like fifty to seventy five percent of our participants are within Canada. The rest are international, which is cool. Like we have about 30 different countries participating, participating, which is kind of mind-blowing to me, to be honest. Like we're shipping coffee to Mexico, Scandinavia, Thailand, Hong Kong, um, Slovakia. It's it's all around the world, which is really cool. For us, we'd love to find a way to 
have this become more of an international competition. Um, I think with Grant and I being in Canada, we've done a really good job of like letting our local network know about what we're doing, but um, still trying to figure out how to get the word out there to let you know baristas know internationally there's this really cool coffee competition that'll help you learn and you can taste some cool coffees. Um, the other thing that, you know, with Grant grounded in very much physical events, like that's his whole background. That's definitely something we've kicked around is like a potential concept for us. Like, can we turn this virtual competition into something um, in person? Maybe we turn, like we bring back all the season's winners and we do like a in-person competition, or maybe we do like a qualifier in person. I think there's some creative ideas around there. Um, but for now, like for us, we just want to keep working on how do we make leaderboard the coffee game a really cool experience? How can we make coffee education easier? And how can we make this game just like a ton of fun? I think what's always interesting for me when I'm doing these interviews is trying to tie back the thing that someone does to the person that they are. Okay. <laughs> and I wonder for you, how is leaderboard an expression of you? How do you see yourself being reflected in this? It's <laughs> a good question. I think like, so I've always loved the idea of cup tasters strictly from the competition point of view. Um, but like, so that excites me. Like coffee isn't really a competitive thing. It's so, it, it feels quite subjective anyways, right? Like some people might enjoy some coffees, other people's might not. And so cup tasters is an objective thing. You can either taste it or you can't. So that's super fascinating to me. And the the challenges with that were, I think, very much my challenges. Like I would be terrified of going up on stage. I can just picture myself like grabbing a spoon and it, my hand just tremoring and like all the coffee spilling out of the spoon, me trying to bring it to my mouth to taste. Uh, so like for me, I, I would be terrified. So I was like, how can we fix that and bring that into leaderboard? For me, education was like such a key part of my coffee career. And so I wanted to find a way to bring that to other people who are maybe not as deep into coffee as we might be. So yeah, I think it's like totally a reflection of my experience in coffee and some of the things that I enjoy personally. And so I don't know, it is kind of fascinating to look at through look at leaderboard as a project through that lens of being like, how is this me? <laughs> um, but to be fair, actually, I think like it's an ever evolving project, right? So like, I had the concept, I reached out to Grant and Grant threw his Grant Spice all over it. And then after season one, we heard from all of our participants, like, how can we make this better? And so now it's taking their feedback and building it into the product and trying to find ways to make this like uh, their input as well into the game. So yeah, it's it started off, I think, like me and Grant, and now it's very much like a thing of the people who participate because we're totally taking in their feedback and trying to figure out how we can make this project even better. Is there anything else you want people to know about Leaderboard or about you? Um, well, we'd love for people to participate. So <laughs> if you feel like trying 10 really tasty coffees and learning more about coffee, check us out on Instagram at Leaderboard Coffee. Um, we try to make it a pretty fun experience. So like we have coaches, but we also have each roaster do the reveals. So you get to see like 10 different faces of people around the world. Um, we also have a pretty interesting like community, I would say that's developing. So when we're doing the reveals too, it's really fun to hear how people are finding the coffees, whether they were like, oh, I nailed the varietal and the processing, but I totally thought this was not a Kenyan. I thought it was from Uganda. Um, and just like how people are interacting with the game itself, I think is really fun to witness. 
yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's just I would love for more people to play, and and I would love to hear like what their thoughts are on the game. Sunil, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I appreciate it. Ashley, thank you for having me. This was awesome. That was Sunil Babari of Leaderboard Coffee. Season three is well underway. You can check out more at at Leaderboard Coffee on Instagram. And you should follow along because season four is coming up sooner than you think. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.